Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. He's right here, ladies and gentlemen. That's Jeff right there. This my is name. my uh, blue steel model. Oh, God. There's a Zoolander reference that you thought you'd never get on Mixed Messages. <laughs> well, my name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make decisions. But when everyone disagrees, how do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all the information overload and choose what governs our lives? As we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Joe. Or should I say hello, Blue Steel? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Boy, if that sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Blue Steel. You know, I was, uh, did I ever tell you I did male modeling one time? Uh, no. I wasn't, uh, it's a true story. I have been a professional male model. So someone who's a professional, by definition, is someone who's paid for wor- their work, correct? Mm, I suppose so. So I was paid to model when I was in college. I modeled, they came onto our campus and they were looking for adults that looked like high school students <laughs> so that we could model letter, le, uh, letterman jackets in a school catalog. And I got 50 bucks in lunch. So I was, wow. by all definitions, a professional male model. So I guess by those definitions, I guess I've also been a professional male model because I got free senior pictures uh, for modeling. They did a, a year early um, and then I also, one other time, they were looking at third graders who looked like high school students, and I was <laughs> selected for that. So A third grader uh, yeah. had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my life story. So, um, it honestly, it was amazing how many times that I'd be like, literally like 14 years old, and servers would be like, would you like a Long Island iced tea, sir? You know, or like, <laughs> well, yes, I would. Uh, <laughs> my nephew was up for uh, our son's wedding, and... Um, He's a junior in high school, but he has a full mustache and a beard like yours. Yeah. And one of our friends go uh, up to him and go, they said, uh, so what do you do for a living? And he's like, yeah, I'm in high school. <laughs> Trigonometry. <laughs> but he's just, just full-on man. He's full-on man. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's, um, yeah. It, it's interesting when you have that much of an adult feature as a young child, what that changes for you. You know, like, uh, not to go down this rabbit hole at all, necessarily, but... But here we go. Yeah, but here we go. Like, I, I've lost some weight recently, and people are like, wow, like, what? I'm like, I, the last time I was this size... Now, you have to understand, I'm six foot two, 245 pounds right now. The last time I was this quote-unquote little, I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, just a different life experience than most of our <laughs> listeners. Like... So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a thing. Anyway, uh, what a perfect segue into our question. There you go. <laughs> okay, absolutely. It has nothing to do with our question, but absolutely here we are. Not. So uh, we've had a couple variations of this question come in. So, Jeff, this one is actually pretty simple. Okay. We're all just good people, right? Like, that's kind of the simple question. And, and where that really digs into is, at our core, are we good people that mess up from time to time, or are we bad people who are able to do some semblance of good from time to time. Yeah, the the here on the sheet it says uh, the 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 listener says restore our faith in humanity. Yeah, cuz you see that a lot like in social media, you know, you see a someone, you know, pull someone out of a well or you know, pull someone out of a ditch or they hold open the the door and you you see those good deeds happen on social media and one of the common response well I've I've had my faith restored in humanity or or something like that or even at a funeral um, you know, you, you go and maybe it was a troubled person and you'll hear 
uh, a loved one say something like, well, deep down they were a good person. So it's a very prevalent thought uh, that we would be good at our core. So is that true, or how does that play out? Um, it is not true. Okay. So I do not ever mm-hmm. place my faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I place my faith in Christ alone, and humanity left to itself will steal, kill, and destroy yep. because our nature is sinful. And I've heard a lot of false teaching lately, and it gets Christianized. Um, you know, put your faith in the in the in humanity, uh, unleash your um, your inner deity, find your own truth, um, etc. And and this is and all of its all of its false and misplaced because only God is good. Jesus said, only God is good. And all the good that's within me comes from God. In a humanistic society that believes in self-deity, mm-hmm. I'm the master of my own destiny, um, that is a very insulting uh, comment, that there is no good in me, all good in me comes from God. In a abusive religious subculture, mm-hmm. That is a very controlling statement. Yeah. Every everything about you is bad. The only thing, the only good in you is when you do basically what I tell you to do right. and follow God the way I tell you to God. So this this idea that I am born sinful, that man is basically sinful and has reflections of God and what we would call good, mm-hmm. as opposed to man is born perfect, which is our inner deity, and that perfection is just corrupted, Uh, that point of view is abused and tainted and dangerous on on both sides of it. The best way to, to like, convince you of this argument is this. Um, Tell me something good, Joe, as an example that a human being would do. That they would do? Um, Yeah. Uh, they went and um, helped an old lady who happened to be shut in and is really sick. Okay. So why would they have helped that old lady? What would would have caused them to do the math to help that old lady? Um, They saw a need and wanted to fill it. How did they define that need as a need? Um, This was not scripted, so I'm actually thinking here for a minute. Uh, um, I mean... they would probably either be told that, hey, this woman has a need, um, or if they knew them already, they would start to assume based on other factors that I think there's a need here. Okay. And what would motivate them to want to fill it? Well, um, at worst, they want to be seen as someone that fills needs. Uh, well, maybe not at worst, but on one side of the coin. On the other, maybe they have a direct relationship with them, and they're like, I love this person, and they need help. Okay. So somewhere mm-hmm. this individual was taught it's bad for old people to be cold and hungry. Sure. And somewhere they were taught, it's good for me to help old people who are good and hungry. None of that comes from within them. Hmm. The Somebody had to define that it was bad. That's a moral imperative or a, sure. mor- a moral statement. And somebody had to say that me helping them is good, mm-hmm. which is a moral imperative or a moral statement. Somewhere underneath that and outside of themselves 
morality and truth was introduced that would cause that conclusion to be followed by that action, mm-hmm. right? Now, you can say, no, that's humanity being good, and I would say humanity cannot be good unless they're instructed to be good. Because if I'm left to myself as a human being, at best, I'm never going to notice that that old person is cold and hungry. Mm-hmm. And at worst, I'm going to look and say, they're a drawdown on, the resor- on my time and energy and resources. We should just let them die. When you let humanity go unchecked by morality, you get Nazism, you get ISIS, uh, you get um, infanticide and euthanasia. You are no longer useful to the society, or you are going to be a burden to the society, which is which is uh, why you would commit infanticide. Mm-hmm. You get... Um, Stalinism, mm-hmm. you disagree or you are not good for the collective, therefore you are, you are removed from the collective. Well, who determined you weren't good? Mm-hmm. Stalin determined you weren't good. So there's a God figure. Mm-hmm. Who determined you weren't useful? Who said, who said that a Down syndrome baby is less worthy of birth than a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. Well, a society that said that Down syndrome is a lesser version of existence within a society than a child without Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. A society that said that you can't, as a Down syndrome child, you can't be happy mm-hmm. unless you can run like this other kid or play or think or mature on these same levels. That there is a definition of joy, there is a definition of meaning, there is a definition of happiness. All of those things are moral imperatives. Mm -hmm. And if you look at any society uh, throughout history, look at the Romans, look at the Egyptians, look at uh, the Greeks, look at uh, Nazism, Stalinism, look at um, uh, what was done in Cambodia, Middle East, Mm -hmm. when when there's been mass extinctions or mass genocide, look at Rwanda, et cetera, et cetera. What you will always find every single time is you will find a society that is devoid of the gospel every single time Mm -hmm. and devoid of all echoes of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So if you take Buddhism and you take Hinduism, elements of it, depending on what you're looking at, you take Mormonism, you take Islam, you're always going to go back and you're going to find a core basis of truth that I would argue is from God, Mm -hmm. from the one true God that has then been uh, uh, tainted and perverted. Even Christianity is going to be tainted and perversion. Well, I was going to even mention, like you said, devoid of the gospel, which is a great clarification, not necessarily devoid of Christianity. That's correct. Because, for instance, atrocities that have happened in Christian America, it's like, right, people that totally twisted the heart of God and went after their own selfish pursuits. Yep. And and what corrected, like slavery as sure. an example, yep. right? Yep. What corrected it was a devotion to the gospel, right? not to cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity can produce... Um, the Crusades, it can produce slavery, it can produce the oppression of women. Right now it's producing uh, the defense of abortion and the, the, uh, the d- defense of LGBTQ stuff. So de- 
cultural Christianity can take the gospel or take the Bible and use it as any weapon you want it to be used for. The gospel cannot be used that way. Mm-hmm. It would it can only be perverted to mean those things. So that's why when you get to a, an issue like uh, slavery, it's the Christian church and a Christianized nation that promoted slavery, endorsed it, and preached for it. Mm-hmm. And it's a devotion to the gospel that rebuked it, corrected it, and changed it. Yeah. See? So you, if you do not have the infusion of the gospel into, into humanity, humanity will always go off the rails. Mm-hmm. And it, humanity will start to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will mimic uh, the heart of the evil and the heart mm-hmm. of Satan, which is devoid of the gospel. Yep. You don't have to teach a child to lie. No. You have to teach them to tell the truth. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You have to teach them to share. You don't have to teach a child to ignore somebody or devalue somebody. You have to teach them that when you see an old person hungry or cold, you are doing a moral good Mm -hmm. by going and helping them. Humanity will not produce that on its own. Humanity will take, and this is where we get the delusion from, they will take the foundation of the gospel, act on it, and then claim that to be their own actions. Sure. And that's to have faith in humanity. I don't have any faith in humanity. I have faith in the power of the gospel and humanity, and I believe that even people who are not followers of Christ can mimic the work of Christ. So mm-hmm. an unbelieving person can be generous. Sure. An unbelieving person can be kind, but there's a moral underpinning that that says that is what kindness is, and that's what generosity is. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by um, one of the interactions that Jesus had with um, someone that was either one of his outer disciples or maybe someone that just came up to him in the street, but he said, good teacher, what should I do to inherit good uh, eternal life? And Jesus' response is fascinating to me. He doesn't instantly answer, here's how to get eternal life. This is Jesus, and he asks, why do you call me good? Like, instantly, like, putting it, why would you assume that at this point, as a human being, you would just assume that I'm good? He's, like, calling that assumption to question right away, and then he says, only God is truly good. And so he's even, like, uh, you know, nicely, if you will, corrective with this person, like, don't make those assumptions. Yeah, and and that... I'm seeing this. Um, I think it. I, I think I'm seeing this truth pushed against. Mm-hmm. And what all it is, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. All it is is humanism playing out, and what we would say is find your own truth, be find yourself, be true to yourself. That's all just humanism. But I find it fascinating. I'm I'm seeing and interacting with people who are deconstructing their faith. They'll say that. And what's fascinating to me is sometimes our faith needs to be deconstructed. A healthy deconstruction deconstructs cultural Christianity, and it will land on the gospel. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, why does it have to play out this way? And I'm like, those are very good and very honest questions. 
a unhealthy deconstruction of your faith is looking and saying, Christ does not do these things. I need to do these things. I need to awaken my inner deity. Mm-hmm. And I would look at that and I would say, you be, oh, be so careful mm-hmm. because you are literally taking the same position that Satan did. Mm-hmm. And you are rebelling against God, making yourself God and saying, this good comes from within me. And I would say that is absolutely not true. It's the prideful person who does not see that amazing grace is sweet because I am a wretch, Mm -hmm. and that God's love and God's grace comes from my emptiness. Mm -hmm. And guys, if you're listening, there is no place for Jeff to be self-righteous or self-sustaining spiritually in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jeff being devoid of Jeff is the only thing that makes the gospel make sense. And we're struggling with this right now because we're, over, we're overwhelmed with it. Well, as we're pushing the gospel to the fringes of a culture... You're watching a culture break down, and then what you will eventually do is you will watch a, a world breakdown. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, why is Shahira Law less morally correct than North American law? It's actually interesting that you bring that up. It's a phenomenal question, because if there is no separation of human quote-unquote good from a absolute from like god himself good then that question stands and there is no answer there is no answer if it, if it's legal mm-hmm. for me to execute a woman for not having her face covered then isn't that moral isn't that moral you made a rule mm-hmm. and it came from within you why is it immoral for me to do that well the only way that it's immoral is if that morality comes from without, from outside of myself. Mm-hmm. See, ironically, the 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 pursuit of self good is often what breeds the worst hate, because if I'm good, and you disagree with me, you must be bad, and so if I think that, well, how how on earth. Could you want to murder someone for not following a, 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 an outdated, simple law? You must be bad for wanting to hurt or kill women for that reason. But if it's my definition of good versus yours, and we do this all the time, this is where prejudices come from of all right. kinds. Like, right. what I believe, what I think, and if I'm a good person, it must be close to right. And if you disagree with that, then you're bad. And it's, it's the simple things, it's everything from, well, maybe not simple, but the common things like politics, I think blue, you think red, I'm good, so you must be bad, and vice versa. It's, it's sports. I, I, I root brown and orange, you root uh, whatever the black and gold colors are for that team out east, like, you must be bad. And we make fun, like, we, when we have that self-definition of I'm good, then anything that counteracts with that almost by definition, has to be bad. And if you take that definition of I'm good, Mm -hmm. and then you attach it to my greatest good is to do good for myself, Mm. which is what it means to live your best life. Right. Right? Now attach a question. Now attach a position to it. 
was a southern plantation owner living their best life before or after the Civil War. Because their best life meant I own human beings. Yep. So if, if that is the highest form of good, then I, it, which is exactly what they did, they justified, they even spiritualized, yeah. they, they tainted the Scripture and said, well, wait a minute, this is the best version of me. I own another human being. Isn't that what I should aspire to? Right. If you take away, if, if you disagree with everything that we're talking about right now, if you say, but Jeff, that's immoral. My best version of my life is to kill my wife, who I get along with. I just get a, I just get a child bride. <laughs> that's ISIS. So if you take away those as morally good, then you've taken away your own arguments as morally good. You've just said, there has to be a moral standard outside of myself. Now, what is that moral standard? Mm-hmm. And you're, now you're choosing... Is that moral standard what we would call the gospel, or is that moral standard something else that you're putting in place of that God? And you're making a spiritual decision. You're making a embrace of Christ or rejection of Christ decision because you've allowed a, a moral truth to stand. If it's immoral for me to own people, even though that leads to my best life now, then something else can say what's moral and moral for you. If it's immoral for me to kill a woman because she doesn't have her face covered, then it then there's something else that says what's moral or immoral for me. And that's going to apply all the way through my life, not just on the topics that I decided to be self-righteous on. That's really good. That's really, really good. And I hope that this is resonating with our listeners, because in some ways this is... This can be easy to agree with in our head. Oh, it's horribly some, but, difficult. But you totally disagree with it in your heart in real time. Yeah, just put it into your wallet. Mm-hmm. My best life is me going and spending my money on what I want to spend it on. Mm-hmm. So now is it morally wrong or right for me to ignore the needs of our elderly lady who's cold and hungry? Right. It's morally wrong when I can do something about it, which is why I am compelled mm-hmm. to do so. I, I cannot walk in the Spirit of God and just ignore the true needs of somebody that He has put in my path. I can't look at a cold, hungry old lady and say, eh, you know what, we're just, we're just going to Chipotle today. Right. Now, Jeff, does this, does this change once someone becomes a believer in Jesus? Because it this this conversation might make a lot of sense to a listener who's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. If you don't know Jesus, like, okay, we're not good people. But now that I know Jesus, I'm a good person, right? Like, now I, I, I do good works, and now I do these good things, and now uh, I have Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit within me. Like, now I'm good, right? Like, th- does that change the ball? Like, how, how does that play out? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. So... I am made holy through Christ, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one of the greatest uh, illustrations I ever heard from this was actually from Josiah, who leads our young adult ministry. And he said, uh, he said think about a, an academic transcript, mm-hmm. right? And I, wanna, I wanted to get into heaven, but I, I need straight A's to get into heaven. My academic transcript is going to be C's, D's, B's, whatever, I can't go to God and say, 
here is a really good academic transcript when God says, I'm sorry, the, the standard is perfection. I can't even ask for extra credit because I'm not going to get it up to straight A's. Nobody can be perfect. I don't think anybody argues that, mm-hmm. right? So the gospel is not God making me a better version of me. The gospel is me being dead and Christ rebirthing me as something new. Mm-hmm. And what Josiah said was this. I'm not sure if this is his illustration originally or not. I just heard it from him. But what he said was, the gospel is me going to Jesus and saying, here's my Mm 2.5, and Jesus handing me his transcript, his righteousness, Mm -hmm. right? And when I go to heaven, I go to get into heaven, so to say, I'm not handing them an improved version of Jeff's transcript. I'm handing the Father Jesus's. Mm -hmm. It's what he did for me. Now, when I accept Christ, <clears throat> so there's this, pro- there's this theological concept called sanctification. Mm-hmm. I am made holy, right? I have Jesus' transcript. That's my salvation. And then I am becoming holy, that sanctification. So I am sanctified, and then I am being sanctified, and me being sanctified is my Christian life. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming more and more like Christ because I want to, because I love him, because I want to reflect him. Not to get into heaven, I have his transcript, Mm -hmm. but now I want to respond to his goodness and his grace. I want to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's often going to play out as loving my neighbor as myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm becoming more and more like Christ. So before I accepted Christ, I was F-bomb champ. Um, My children have never heard me cuss. Sure. Uh, before I came to Christ, my morality was something completely different. I've always been faithful to Heidi. Mm-hmm. See, I my I change because of who Christ has made me, not to achieve mm-hmm. something because Christ achieved that for me. So I think this is where the Apostle Paul says, like I still battle this sin nature. Uh, my because I am born a sinner, because I am by nature a sinner. My instinct's always going to be to sin. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the people of God helped to shape me, mold me, craft me, so that sin nature is put off more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But what happens is this. The longer I'm in Christ, the more I realize I need Him. Yep. So I used to think greed was uh, you're hungry and you're cold and I have $10 and I'm going to Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't do that anymore. <clears throat> See, I'm going to act on that. But when I look at greed now, I look and I think, um, why do I want to raise? Sure. Uh, how come that, uh, that brand of clothes means so much to me? And is it necessary? Because I'm not cold. I just want to look different. Mm-hmm. And I want to be recognized for how I look. See, I... I as I understand God's grace, I understand more the depth of my sin, mm-hmm. which causes me to understand the, the more of God's grace. But Jesus does that work. I do not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gives birth to that in me. All metaphors fall short, but it's kind of like in royalty when the, when the heir apparent is born, that would be like the justification, like you are the heir. You you will be king. You will be the queen. 
one day. Yeah. Like it's that 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 justification, that transcript, it's turned in, it's done, it's handled. Now in the meantime, while you're the heir apparent, I'm going to show you and train you and teach you and show you and grow you more and more into this role that you becoming more and more like now it's a metaphor, it falls apart, but you have the identity up front and then you continue to grow and learn and understand because our relation, the transactional side of our engagement with God is handled at the cross and the resurrection when we give our life to Jesus. The relational side now, I'm now giving myself over to, to have the closeness, the engagement that has now been given to me with God. So yeah. now I can have a relationship with him. Well, I can either take advantage of that and say, cool, I got it, and push him away, which one could argue different things at that point. It's a different podcast, but... Um, or I can run after him and watch that relationship grow and watch him change me in the meantime. Yeah. I, what I would say about human potential, using your metaphor, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is that because of Christ, I believe every human being has the potential to be king mm. unless you renounce the throne. And I think this is where God says, even creation calls out to the glory of God. Like, you cannot escape that there is a God and that there's a need for God, but you can renounce the throne. Mm-hmm. And it, you just said it, you can, you can spur it. And if you start with the position that I am good, I would argue strongly and, and passionately and in a very concerned way for you that you are starting in a, a deep place of pride. Mm-hmm in your life. God opposes the proud. Mm -hmm. He gives grace to the humble. When I start with the position, I am a wretch, and God can do good in me, and he can do good through me. Uh, God will facilitate that and accelerate that, I think, in your life. So for a future podcast, um, I think we should ask the question, basically, where does my value come from then? Because yeah. a lot of people may have just heard errantly, this is not what we said, well, then I must not be worth anything as a human being if I'm not a good person. And that that attachment, because I think that's where a lot of that defensiveness comes in, is like, well, then are you saying I'm not worth anything? Are you saying I have no dignity? Or, no, nope, not the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Yeah. And so that could be a fun episode to have in the future. Well, thanks, everyone. Well, I also, just, yeah, I go also ahead. think all this Royals talk, we should definitely do some podcasts on Harry and Meghan. Oh, I have, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, th- if you have a question you'd like to submit to Mixed Messages that has nothing to do with Harry and Meghan, let us know, and you could do that at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. If we can help you take any unique next steps, maybe build in some community, pray for you as you continue to hash through uh, situations and issues like we talked about today, you can reach out, let us know. We'd love to get you connected. If you like what you're hearing, you can always subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. And of course, if you're looking for that community or a church home, you can always join us on the weekend here at Grace, uh, or you can join us online if you're out of the area. Well, thank you so much for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Thank you.